chapter 2. Dear children, this is the last hour. And as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us, with their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. And now, dear children, continue in him, so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. First John chapter 4. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now is already in the world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. The word of the Lord. We're going to continue in First John today. We have all especially this time of year heard the urban legends of trick-or-treating. You know they're coming out. The poison candy corn. You know the stories of the glass shavings and the homemade rock candy. The razor blades and pins in the candy bars. The snatching of a kid as they go inside for that bigger and better candy. The stories go on and on. Especially about that house. You know the one. With the lights that are never on. With the neighbor nobody ever sees or talks to. And we know and believe that all of these urban legends somehow had a beginning truth. A a time, a situation, maybe not more than once or twice probably, in which it really happened, in which it really could potentially happen. And with the potential danger, here it comes from mom and dad and uncles and aunts and friends. and, 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 And the news shows pretending they really care about you. You know, only eat the rap stuff. 
Never go out alone and when possible, go to the homes and people you know. Never go with or into the house of a stranger. Trick-or-treating has become, if you have an aware young one, almost a bare necessity for kids with risk. There's candy as the goal and fun as a result. Safety, caution, obedience, listening, watching, waiting are the rules. Because just maybe that urban legend might become your story at the 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock news. Well, I will say that in part because of movies like The Omen and The Seventh Seal and The Devil's Advocate and all this stuff, and, and along with the money fan desires Christian fantasies about being left behind and living in present darkness and movies with more than their fair share of pale-faced saviors, the topic, the text before us from John one about the Antichrist takes its place in our minds and hearts and mouths as urban legends that have a line, a thread, a surely maybe a, a little bit of truth in them. Books and movies and stories over Christian campfires deep into night not only keep us keen to the dangers dangerous world of spiritual forces and evils and cults and covens alike, but they create and and have created somewhat of a, a disconnect between spiritual truth and real, everyday, authentic Christianity. Antichrist has become the words, the strange old man and the only unredone bungalow down the street uses or, or what that big church with all the free-range Christians talk about. They are surreal in their convictions about the Antichrist. If you haven't figured it out, I'm not talking about Halloween, but our own spiritual trick or treating, our own calling and searching for the sweet spiritual morsels for our souls that God has given us here on earth. So how can we be real in our faith concerning what John is talking about? How can we accept and live in, a, in the reality, the danger, the, the crazy imbalance of a world that is designed to slip us a Mickey in the Lord's Supper, a razor-laced Bible verse, a, a poison invitation to the sweet popcorn prayer of a weekly Bible study, the allure of coming into the house, a congregation, just a little further and deeper, just to be led and pushed into the cultic basement. How do we not give up and say no to going for the treats of the gospel that God has for us in the relationships and institutions and, and operation of his people? I mean, I mean, how do we just not resort to having a personal harvest fest when God is calling us to go to risk for his sweetness, the sweetness of his grace? I understand that many of us here are hurt. You're torn. You're broken. You are, are messed up, if you will, sliced because you ate some lace stuff. Some of you have some incredulous stories about church and a Bible teacher and a Bible study or, or something that went on in a, in a room at a, at a, at a, at a campus. And we, and we went for a treat of God's grace and we got tricked. I've been there myself. I thought this was it. 
And when I got in, it was a mess. And and there you are, left skeptical and critical. Many of you have given up on the holiday, the holy day, as Pastor Georgia taught us. Worshiping God, you've given up on that because there are just too many risks. Some of us hide behind a veneer, a, a mask of relationship and emotion because sincere and trusting and open church participation and spiritual union with others or something just too risky. Continuing his theme of authentic, real, available Christianity that is vibrant, faithful relationship with the Creator God through Jesus Christ, this epistle of John is going to take us past the screenings and inkings of urban legends to a place where danger is real but not true. And where God's spiritual protection and truth guards us and His. God the Father's place and position is crucial in our lives. How that will keep us and call us real and right and well out of the darkness and fear. Well, the first thing we see John telling us and brings to our attention here is that, yes, there are spiritual predators out there. He says in verse 19 in chapter 2 that they came from us. These people that are seeking to deceive us with their teaching, they're human. But beyond that, they are, they are teachers. In, in chapter 4, he calls them false prophets. They're apostolic looking. They are pastoral act, acting. It's like the whole sexual predator thing. They look like our brother or sister or uncles and aunts. They are, they are somebody's neighbor or friend or husband or, or, or maybe daddy or mother. They are somebody's church, somebody's campus ministry's philosophy. It's some ministry somewhere for real. And John adds to the sting in saying, they came from us. He is declaring that they started out looking okay. They are unseen or unknown as anything bad, but but now they have separated in their teaching and their behavior and their actions and their associations. They are not us, but boy, they look like authentic believers and teachers. Here's the point here. The Antichrist is people and teaching, and philosophy, or as chapter 4 suggests, a spirit that does not have necessarily all the time a distinguishable tattoo on their head. It it will not always be immediately obvious. As a matter of fact, they are Christian-looking lookalikes. Godly, small g at times. John says in chapter 4, test the spirits to see. Not only look at their actions, but, but test the theory. Test the philosophy, test the doctrine, test the thinking. In comic book style, they are the evil twin. Good looking, but evil result and intent. And here's what's also interesting here. In saying they came from us, it is safe to say that they too were drawn out. John is saying they came from us, but when they separated, they proved themselves to not be a part of us. In other words, they were so excited by the candy option, they went into the house and were captured. They were captivated by another belief system. They started out as one of the faithful looking, but as were drawn out into who they really were, unfaithful, insincere, and not truly one of God's. But there's a sordid catch here. These spiritual pretenders and predators 
are out to trick. Paul says to lead astray, to deceive. I mean, John says to, to lead astray, to deceive, not to treat. Verse 26 says this. I'm writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you, what? Astray. I mean, they are showing us the super duper size Snickers. They are showing the shiniest candy, the best decorated house on the block. They are drawing, they're sensual living. They seem to answer all our longings in chapter four. Again, the false prophets, which means they speak, they preach, they, they have church, if you will. Even if not in a building all the time, they have a message to draw you in and get you. They stand in a place and posture that says, we speak the truth. John is saying there is a trick behind the treat whose goal is this, to bring an end to the beginning of your faith. Look at what John says here in verse 24 and 27 of of chapter 2. He says, a see that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If, if it does, you also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. I am writing these things to you about those who are trying to lead you astray as you, as for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you. And you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you remain in him. Now, John uses this term beginning a lot. There is something from the beginning that the Antichrist is seeking to, to make wrong or confuse. What is he doing? It, it is, he's seeking to confuse Jesus and what he did and who he is. They're seeking to bring doubt to the one who is the beginning of our faith, our belief in God, the beginning of real living relationship with God, the beginning of the healing of the things that seek to destroy us in our world. They're, they're seeking to confuse the beginning of a, an eternal life. They're seeking to take away the beginning of a glorious end where we will be right with God for all eternity. He's, they're seeking to take the beginning of good and right and reconcile relationship with others around you, the beginning of our reality of questions of who you are and and why we are and what and why and how we're worth anything. John is saying the goal is to snatch the heart of flesh out of your body. The thing that makes you human. The thing that makes you redeem. The thing that makes you want to live life. They want to snatch that away. They want to disturb and dismember and confuse what is basic. What is the ABC and one, two, three to the former of faith. They want to take the beginning, the very basis, Jesus Christ. They want to take him away. And their end goal? To maybe make those who are his not believe or live like they're loved by God. And maybe keep those of us who would be his children in a world and on a road of confusion and discouragement. I read all this and I thought, well, what does this mean? It means it's pretty scary out here. 
It means that you're looking for a spiritual home, for spiritual leadership, and camaraderie maybe in a church, a congregation, or a small group, a faith in God, because it's not always apparent at first, and yet in our sometimes naive, wondering romance with, with this church, or, or this pastor, or, or this vision, or this teaching, or this group, or this neat new thing, understand John is saying something very hard for me to hear too, that there is this aggressive tricking of us. They've invited us in for dinner. They're cutting up the carrots and onions in a big boiling pot. You know this story. And we think we are over for dinner when we truly are over to be dinner. The conclusion at this point is simple. It really stinks. It is scary. It is confusing. And some of you think, I'm going to be someone's spiritual lunch. Some of you are saying, I have been someone's spiritual lunch. I understand exactly what you mean. That's why I don't trust church now. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say the ones that are here, you're the brave ones. The ones sitting here this morning, man, you're brave. Let me tell you, I, if, I was thinking the other day, I was like, you know, what if, what if when, when uh, Ernesto came and preached for us, I, I took, you know, I was in Colorado, so I, he, he came in and I was not preaching that Sunday, of course, and I was thinking, man, what if, what if I wasn't a pastor and I had to find a church? To be scary. It's too confusing. It's I don't know. Maybe they're talking about Jesus and they mean somebody else. I don't know. It's crazy out here. And you're braving it after being burned or buried once before. But you're braver because each one of you here knows someone who will not dare come into the doors of a church or a small group or a Bible study or whenever they see anything in a leather binding anything, run the other way because they've been burned and hurt and poisoned and cut and tricked. Some of you, who because of the real tricks of the faith have given up on the risk and reality of some God in heaven brought and bringing to earth super sweet goodies, or let's call them graces, if you will. Let me say the world we live in and the confusion and chaos created by antichrists and the silence of those who know better is sinister, it's seductive, it's sad. And John, though, is all for getting the treats while being aware of the tricks. And he offers us some hope in declaring that God the Father has given us some protection, some parameters of spiritual safety. Look what John says here in 18 and 19 in chapter 2. He says, dear children, this is the last hour. And, and, and as you've heard, the Antichrist is coming. Even now, many, many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it is the last hour. Last hour there. Um, okay, don't, you don't have to do the, the, the Christian fiction thing here. Last hour means this is the last season. Jesus has come. The next thing that's going to happen outside of the church is his return. And that's going to be it. It's the last phase. Okay. This is how we know it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going out showed that none of them belonged to us. That they showed they are not us by not being us. Okay. In other words, there is an obvious break in the heritage of their existence from the orthodox belief, their doctrine, their teaching, stuff that should make us wonder and ask, who are you with again? Hey man, I got this track. Let me what read the small print on the bottom. What group is this? 
Where's the connection here? Where's your brothers? Who are you accountable to? Who can shut you down if you start acting up? But but more than that, where's your daddy? Who's your daddy? Where's your fathers? Where, where's the connection? You know, in Charleston, they have this. Say, I would go in the in the stores where my dad grew up in the country and they'd ask one question. Who sung you for? Who sung you for? Alphonse, and you know, I'll say it all proper. Alfonso Brown is my son. Oh, you phony son. Come on in here. You know, it's just, you know, who's your daddy? And we should ask the question of the inheritance. Whose son you for? Who you with? Inevitably, antichrist people groups have no accountability outside themselves. They are the truth, the only truth, or an improvement on the truth that makes them alien to any sort of oversight or accountability. It's just fancy free, as I said, free range Christianity, completely organic, historical creeds, and ancient stuff is just a fad. You know, they use the same creeds we do, but it's an illustration. It's just a nice addition to get Gen X to think they're cool. To make their message some seem more believable, like the set of graphics on the Lord of the Rings might make you believe there is and was a hobbit and walking and talking trees. I mean, there's no real greater fantasy wake-up call on their ministry or belief than who are you accountable to and where have you come from? John has already established the authentic Christianity's mark by having a line of fathers and mothers who give birth to faith and then keep relationship. Man, I love some church history. I mean, because you can go back to John, you know, and then you, you read those ancient church history books. And John, he he was he walked with John all right now. He walked with John, and his church was over here. And then the brothers had it in Africa for a long time until you know constantly he wanted to make it a Roman deal, and the brothers in Africa said no way. And then that's when Europe started getting the gospel too. And here we go, you know, these brothers in Europe they got the gospel. They, the the Protestant Reformation happened. Boom, they over to America, and here we are. I mean, it's just an incredible line of heritage. Why Presbyterianism? Why our creeds? Why are concerned with church history? Why am I not the man? Gosh, Presbyterian church is the wrong place to be if you just want to be the man. In Colorado, I hung up with some Baptist brothers. They the man. They ain't got nobody over them. I love that. I was like, woo, I want to be the man until one brother church got taken over by some gossip. He was alone because he was the man. Not because, well, why am I not the man? Not because I'm not smart or good, but because I might not be good. I don't want to put myself out there, but I may not have been good. My doctrine and life have to be looked after according to the truth of Scripture and the tenets of the faith. That's why I go to Presbytery. And those guys walk in and their face ain't smiling because they want to know, do you believe the Word of God? Does historical, orthodox Christianity live true not only in what you preach, but how you live? I don't always like it. Gosh. Pastor George and I, we had this discussion. Why are we in this PCA? I mean, come on, this, this denomination that has largely grown up out of Southern Presbyterianism. I mean, man, I am so far removed from... Okay. And I go to this press, these big General Assembly meetings, and you know, only a few brothers up in there. And definitely, I'm not a safe-looking brother with this hair and all. You know, you just roll up in there. And, and you're like, what am I here for? And then you're reminded. The word. Yeah, these, these, these kind of conservative southern white guys, you know, some northern, some... You want to argue about something? 
Right here, brothers. Let's go. I can do that. I can't be about what you think. You know, I mean, though our service here is not dressy or very formal and we don't have kneelers and this isn't a stone church or stained glass windows, boy, I want it so bad, y'all. I really do. Even though, yes, I'm up here, I'm in the jeans and all this stuff, but man, let me tell you, this ain't no game. This ain't no joke. I can't play with this because they ain't playing with me. What are we talking about here? We're not talking about just being right and bragging about how good your faith is. We got the word and other faith. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the gospel message coming to you to change your life. Not giving the love of God and Jesus to you and not allowing any foolishness. I mean, I keep hearing about it. Hey, you heard about what happened? Foolishness. Silliness. Lies, deception. It's sad. John is saying heritage is your protection. Questions of heritage and family accountability are beginning. But he moves deeper and calls even that heritage is the history of your thought and preaching or teaching to be guarded and challenged by the foundation of a faith, the word of God. Now we talked about this before, so I won't take long, but is what you, what has been taught from the beginning a part of what is being taught to you now? John here is speaking, of course, to apostolic authority, which is taken and preached by the elders of the church, and the letters are read, and the apostolic authority now has been written in letters to them, and now it's in a book, mostly leather-bound, given to us. What are they talking about, the teaching from the beginning? Here it is. When John says, they, they're not, they're the Antichrist because they don't listen to us. John ain't saying, I'm the man, they ain't listening to us. John is saying, no, I've been inspired by the Holy Spirit. My hand wrote God's word to God's people. And so if they don't listen to us in apostolic authority, they don't listen to God. They are not from us. And so he's saying, are they listening to us? What has been written here? Let's face it. Behind every great cult is a great personality. Some man or woman who is marvelous and gifted and perfect looking and revolutionary and riveting and sexy in their rebellion or rudeness against the status quo. You know, that's all nice, but, but do they teach and preach whatever they preach or teach point back to them or does it point to the word? To the written word of the apostles. Have they left the truth? Left the apostles? Left the scriptures? Left the basic thing that the scripture teaches? I don't care what Reverend Ronnie Love says. And I don't care whether he wears an all-white three-piece suit. Or whether he's a cool Gen X guy. Who speaks in a non-authoritative style in a non-church setting. Or whether he's got the latest hairdo. Or can quote from movies. Or is not afraid to cuss or cry in the pulpit. I don't care whether he's wearing a robe from head to toe or sees the best preacher man you have ever heard are you pointed to the beginning of your faith which is found in the word of God let me say it this way is the story the story that you have heard us give that is the apostles the scripture is what they say true then John says the antichrist the anti-messiahist the liars change the most important piece of the story and it is the piece that holds the hope that in a predatory world you and I will be okay 
They take away the one piece that, that gives us hope that we can be rescued and guarded. And here it is in both places. Chapter 2, verses 21 through 23 says this. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do, do know it. And because no lie comes from the truth. What is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. And then in in chapter 4, verses 2 through 3, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the Spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard is coming and even now is already in the world. The story, the power to be kept by God, the protection against evil in this world and within ourselves. The big flashing light over the house that said that over the house you should not go into or over the candy you should not eat is this. Do they believe the gospel story? Do they put as a cornerstone of all they believe this? That God the Father sent his son to the earth as a sacrifice for our sins to save lost people and call them his children. And with that, that Jesus came as God in the flesh to redeem all creation, that he is Lord and Savior and God, that he is more than a ghost, more than a teacher, that he is alive and God, a very God, and Lord, a very Lord, and that this truth is the thing that makes authentic Christianity what it is. Because what it, what pours out of it is this. That the God of creation is a savior of people like you and me. Sinners who don't have a chance. That, that, that because, that, that, that he, that Jesus shows us that we have a father in God. That therefore this process, this work that makes us his is the unconditional, loving, finished work. Elmari said it of a triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What John is saying is what has become clear in teachings around us that can be called Antichrist. There is, you know, Jesus, he, he was just an angel. Or, 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 let me just call it out. He's he just an angel, you know. And, and, or, or that God was in Jesus for a little bit of time, but when he died, God left, or, 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 or that Jesus was the result of Mary and Joseph having a little fun on the back of some camel in the desert, or, or even this, that Jesus simply showed us the way. That to have eternal life, to be a child of God, to be assured that you're his, you have to do good works on top of what Jesus did. Because guess what? He wasn't good enough. Or that the faith be about your faith to make God do what you want him to do so you can get a new Cadillac or a new house or get married or live the successful Christian life or flaunt your goodness and righteousness by what you have materially or what you can do morally. If this is your faith, you've eaten some lace goodies. You're in the basement of the scary house down the street. You are separated from the love of being called a child of God. Because the gospel is better news than that. But more than that, it does better things than that. Because what John says is that if you are a child of God, that is the gospel from Scripture has been told and accepted in you, you and I change. I'm going to read some Scripture here for a minute. This is a, this going, sorry, this is taking us a little longer here, but I want you to pay attention and it's kind of got two texts going. I was worried about, okay, verse 19 through 22. 
They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. But their going showed that none of them belonged to us. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And all of you know the truth. I do not write to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know it and because no lie comes from the truth. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. Such a man is the Antichrist. He denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, and whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. And then chapter 4, um, verse 2 and 3, this is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ is coming to flesh is from God, but every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which, which you've heard is coming. And even now is already in the world. Then uh, down in verse 27, it says this. As for you, the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it has taught you, remain in him. Okay, that the anointing, some of your Bibles say the unction, that you know what is not right. When the gospel truth comes in your heart, it becomes real and you can hear. And I will even say because of the work of God, the Holy Spirit, you can feel and sense what is wrong. You know why? John says it best. You are the children of God. And Jesus said it in the gospel, mine hear and know my voice and those that are not mine hear the voice of something else and, 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 and don't sense, they don't have the gospel at work to tell them no, not right, not well, danger. You ever walked in the mall when you're a kid, be walking with your mama in a crowded area and all of a sudden you're not walking with mama? Maybe not, okay. I'm walking. I remember one time I was walking with my mama, just talking, you know, of course, talking, not paying attention. Probably like my brother always accused me, minding somebody else's business, looking around. All of a sudden, I'm walking beside this woman. I got this weird feeling, right? And I'm like, mama, like, whoa, what's up? They right, do 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 do. It was like a zone, like something, ah, someone right. This wasn't my mama. And I looked over, and some white lady was there. Wasn't my mama. It's the unction. It's it's the anointing. You know, it's that thing. You know, when when I first heard Christian rap music, oh my goodness. (laughs) Or even Vanilla Ice. Some of y'all were doing a running man of that. Some of y'all were doing it. Don't lie. You like the head moving around. You like the badger pants. You know you like them with the street. But I knew something wasn't right. I couldn't feel it, man. I, 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 that ain't hip hop. I, I mean, how did I know? Because I heard real hip hop. I heard what was from the beginning. Not only heard it, but I grooved in my heart to it. I felt the bass beat of Sugar Hill Gang. I, I heard the hard-hitting stories of Run DMC. I felt the aggressive angst of LL Cool J. I was indoctrinated by the social awareness of Public Enemy and even NWA. I grooved and talked and reflected together with friends and family and became the hip-hop culture. And when that fake stuff came out, I couldn't feel it. Couldn't hear it. 
wasn't right. Some of this stuff out here today, come some of you young kids, you don't know. Y'all need to go watch the VH1 hip hop series so you can get back to what's real. Okay. Oh, we're talking about church now. Okay, let me get back. The gospel has a message. A message in the context of his people and community in the sacrament that says Jesus is Lord. That the gospel is we are sinners and Jesus, God in the flesh, became the savior of sinners. But with that message, it is safe to say the gospel has an inner groove. Something that says that beat out there ain't right. Oh yeah, that's real. That sounds right. It is the anointing. The word anointing means to be poured upon, to be touched by. That you have the very touch of God on your life when Jesus calls you to himself. That heaven has marked you, ascended you, tattooed you with identity that you yourself cannot shake. Verse 24 says this. See that what you've heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also remain in the Son and in the Father. What is he saying? His will remain in him. Because God the Father, because of Jesus through the work of the Holy Spirit, remains with his children. See, this text is not about our faithfulness. It never was. It's not about us having the anointing. Let me get the anointing. Please put your hands on me so I can get the anointing. Oh, that brother got the anointing. It's, it's never about anything you get. Why is it in this country we got to buy it or get it? We got to earn something. Why, why is it that, that these false teachings have to be about what you can get? You know, this text is, you know, about the Antichrist is real scary and there's all kind of things. Yes, God has called his children to ask and seek, but this text has never been about your faithfulness to remain, but about God's faithfulness to keep you. You know, that the, the, the message has a groove in this, that God does not let his children go trick or treating for him alone. This text, John is saying Christianity can be authentic because God is there. That his voice calls us back from the house that is dangerous. That he's faithful through his word and through his people and all the things he provided to look through the candy and say, that one, don't eat that one right there. Oh, I know it looks good, but don't eat it. That he has provided in this church a community that is surveying the stuff that you get, the stuff that you hear with you and for you. The gospel is this, that the darkness, the danger, the evil, the deception cannot and will not be so great that it will take those that are his Away from him. See, it is the message that Antichrist wants to rid us of. And it is a message that God keeps us with. Some of us, the story of the gospel, it's bleak. It's distant. God's been faithful to be here. For you to hear the word of truth and he's saying, come closer. Hear me. Come to me. Some of us, we are confident that we don't need Jesus given in the context of his people who are about the gospel. And you are out there alone. 
John says, come with us, be with us. His voice, the gospel calls out and says, his children can't be alone. You can't continue to declare yourself a child of God if you don't have a family. You will be deceived. You will be snatched. Trust me, I don't care how good you think you are or how well you think you read the Bible. If you alone, you're going to eat some bad stuff. He is saying, some of us, we don't know the gospel. We're sitting ducks for deception. You're sitting ducks for things that will kill your heart and demean your humanity and literally take the joy and fun out of exploring and living in this world. Hear the gospel, each one of us. God the Father so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. What's that mean? Shall not be taken. Shall not be slipped. Some bad stuff that will kill them. Shall not walk alone in dark and in evil. Shall not live without any hope or only fear. Shall not perish, but have eternal life and relationship with a God that never leaves you and is faithful to give you his word and make it come to you. He is faithful to never leave you alone, but give you eternal life. You're kept. That's why you're here. Because God's remained with you. God has given us the real treat of the gospel. For real, tricky world. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we we live in a crazy, dark, and confusing world. But Lord, you're not confused. You're clear. And you give us your word. And you give us your people. And Lord, you give us the unction. You spiritually reside in your people and your voice cries out, come back and listen and live and enjoy me and worship me. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to remember this. We remain in you because you remain with us. Thank you for going trick-or-treating with us, Lord, in this crazy world. Good, gracious Father, God of heaven, we praise you and thank you. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.